Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at godsolutionshow.com. Now, here's your host, Nate Herbst. Welcome to The God Solution Show, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst. And I'm Rod Pauls. And Rod Pauls is with InterVarsity. He's the Assistant Regional Director for the Rocky Mountain Region, and he works right here at UNM with graduate students. You can find out more about him at InterVarsity.org or GCF.UNM.edu. But he's doing a lot. He helped bring Dr. Lennox here earlier this spring. You probably remember that event and having Dr. Lennox on the radio. Rod coordinated all that. He has a heart for reaching people with the gospel and for apologetics. And he's going to be sharing something quite unique with us today. He's going to be talking about the five thresholds of postmodern conversion. We live in this postmodern type of era, and we can be strategic about how we reach out to people with the gospel in the context that we're in in our society. But before we get to those questions, I wanted to ask Rod a little bit more about some of what he does with graduate students and a little bit more about InterVarsity here in Albuquerque. So, Rod, tell me a little bit about the ministry that you've been involved in for many years here in Albuquerque. Sure. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate the opportunity to talk about my ministry and about the work that God is doing through InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I've been on staff now for over 30 years, and for the last 15, I've been in Albuquerque working with uh, students at UNM. And right now, my focus is on graduate students. And so we have a Bible study that meets on Thursday nights. It's uh, specifically for graduate students. We've been studying the book of Ephesians this spring. We've done other books like Matthew or Proverbs or uh, Amos. Basically, we just want to provide a place for graduate students to come together and study the Word and also have a place of fellowship and encouragement. Uh, Graduate school is a very different kind of collegiate experience from undergrad, and so it's really helpful for the graduate students who are believers to have a place where they can come and and be with people who share their their beliefs and uh, kind of understand what it's like to be in graduate school. Uh, We also want to see graduate students who are not believers uh, hear the gospel and, and come to faith, and so we're looking for ways all the time to meet new students and to reach out with the good news of Jesus. So specifically, if there is a graduate student in the audience, or if any of you listening know of a graduate student here in Albuquerque, how could they get involved? They could go to the website that you mentioned earlier, gcf.unm.edu, and all of our information as far as meetings and how to make contact with us could be found there. However, if you want to just reach out directly to me, Uh, I don't mind a a phone call from somebody. My number is 710-4823, and my personal email is rdprmr at gmail.com. And so any graduate student who wants to know more about Graduate Christian Fellowship is welcome to call me or text me or email me, and I'm happy to respond to uh, those messages. Wonderful. Well, let's get into the five thresholds of postmodern conversion. Most people think of only one threshold or decision point when it comes to conversion. You say that there are actually five thresholds of conversion. What more can you tell me about that? 
Well, uh, a number of years ago, I think it's been about 10 years ago now, some friends of mine, uh, Doug Schaup and Don Everts, who were uh, on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. In fact, Doug still is. Don has moved on to a pastorate. But they wrote a book called I Once Was Lost. And in this book, they uh, interviewed a number of people. I'm, I'm blanking on the exact number right now, but they interviewed a number of people who had come to faith in this postmodern era in which we live. And what they discovered was that there were several different decision points that each of these people needed to to cross, or they, they, they labeled them thresholds, several different thresholds that each of these people needed to cross before they were actually ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. And as they talked with these believers and, and learned of their stories, they, uh, they landed on five different thresholds, different places where a specific decision was being made that kind of enabled the, the person to move forward and continue on their journey into the Christian faith. And so that's how we've got to the the place of talking about the five thresholds of postmodern conversion. And I don't know that it's necessarily just a postmodern thing, but they were identifying this as something that was uh, certainly true of people who were raised with postmodernism in the air that we breathe, as it were. And, and, you know, all of us have been impacted by the postmodern culture of the last, you know, 20 or 30 years or so. So I'm reminded a little bit of the angle diagram that people may have seen in the past of these stages before conversion. Someone has to become aware of the gospel. They have to become aware of their need and so forth. And as they transition across those stages, they come to a, a place where they can really trust in Christ. But this is a unique approach because this deals specifically with people in today's postmodern context. So tell me about it. What are the five thresholds and what distinguishes one from another? Yeah, thanks, Nate. Um, The five thresholds are simply these. Uh, First of all, there's moving from distrust to trust. So the first threshold would be called the trust threshold. And uh, a person who's becoming, you know, who's not a believer needs to, first of all, trust somebody who's a Christian. The second threshold is moving from being indifferent about the gospel or indifferent about the Christian faith to becoming curious about the Christian faith. So we call it the curiosity threshold, and the person actually begins to ask questions and be curious about uh, what Christianity is all about. The third threshold is uh, the opening to change threshold. A person moves from being unwilling to change or closed to change to actually being open to changing something about their belief, something about their behavior, something about how they think, and so forth. The fourth threshold is the seeking threshold. A person moves from being meandering in terms of their spiritual journey to actively seeking God or uh, seeking Jesus in in some way. They they begin to realize that they really want to know more about God and about what Jesus has to offer. And then the, uh, the final threshold is the one that we often think of, which is the threshold of entering the kingdom and, and becoming a person of faith, uh, moving from from being outside the kingdom to entering the kingdom or moving from being lost to found and actually accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. Tremendous. I can even see that in my gospel conversations on campus. Each time I talk to students, they're at some point across that spectrum. I don't know where they're at. Maybe we'll talk to one that's at the seeking threshold or they've crossed that and they're 
actively searching, or maybe it's the opposite. They're at the distrust, and they don't want anything to do with us. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know what? This is what's exciting. We'll never find out until we share with them. That's one thing I love about Rod's example is his enthusiasm for evangelism and for sharing the gospel with students, and that's coming out clear in all of this. So why is it important to know about and understand the five thresholds, and how does this concept help someone who wants to share their faith? Well, I think it's important, Nate, because uh, if we if we go into a conversation with a non-believer thinking that there's only one decision that they need to make, and that decision is to accept Jesus or reject him, you know, or to, to, you know, to pray the prayer or whatever, then we may totally miss um, where the person is on their spiritual journey. But if we go into a conversation with somebody asking the question in our own minds of where is this person, wh which threshold is this person actually needing to cross right now, then it helps to shape the way that we have that conversation and, and what we share with the person. If, if we're in the, the conversation, we discover that the individual really isn't all that curious about the gospel. They, they just aren't asking many questions about what God, you know, who God is or who Jesus is, then that would lead us, I think in our evangelism, that would lead us to try to provoke curiosity in the individual rather than simply sharing a, a gospel outline and saying, do you want to become a Christian? We would, we would look for ways to try to provoke curiosity and to try to encourage that person to begin asking those kinds of questions and to begin wondering a little bit more about what it means to be a, you know, to be a Christian. Likewise, if we discover that the person is is really beginning to seek after God. Uh, they, they have a real hunger and a thirst to know who God is. That would lead us to do some very different things. We, we might still want to provoke curiosity, but we also would want to invite that person to, to look more deeply at what the Bible has to say about Jesus. Or we might want to share uh, pieces of our testimony that could really help that person uh, enter into an understanding of who Jesus is, or we might put a challenge before the person, uh, something like, uh, would you be willing to pray for the next seven days that God would show up in your life in in some way, and, and let's see what God does with that. You know, we would, we would perhaps talk with an individual in a different sort of way, depending on which threshold we identify that they're ready to cross next. This is awesome to consider conversations in light of this. Yesterday, I talked with a young man that was just visiting, but he was at the campus visiting a friend there, and he said, I am searching. I mean, he was real bold. He might have been at that seeking level. He's crossed that threshold. He wasn't ready to make a decision, but he said with his own mouth, I am searching. And then right immediately after that, we talked to somebody that is a Hindu secularist, so he's kind of left Hinduism, and he was angry about evangelical Christians in America. Uh, maybe he was not yet to that, that trust phase. He mm -hmm. didn't trust us. So yeah. he was kind of unwilling. We, he said, there's no evidence for faith. And we talked about some of the evidence for the resurrection. And he said, all right, well, you changed my mind on that. But still, ba -da 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 -da. <laughs> so he wasn't even willing to reason with yeah. us because he hadn't got to that trust phase. It's kind of interesting evaluating some of those conversations in light of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt uh -huh. you, Nate. I just was going to chime in and say, yeah, I, I think you've identified very accurately 
probably what was going on in both of those conversations. And, you know, with the searching fellow, I think a, a great question at that point would be to, to ask, well, what is it that would really help you yeah. in your search? You know, what would help you to know for sure that God is really real, you know, and, and to kind of dialogue with him and to think about some ways to, to help him take the next step. So. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so you've mentioned that the thresholds were first observed in the testimonies of people who had come to faith. Where do we see this in the Bible, though? Are there examples of these thresholds in the Bible? Yes, there are. Um, I, I really think that probably you could look at any account in the Gospels of somebody who is is coming to Jesus or coming to faith in Jesus, and I think you could identify that they're crossing one or more thresholds in those conversations. And the Gospel of John is really rich with a lot of these examples. You can go to chapter 3 with Nicodemus. You can go to chapter 9 with the blind man, chapter 5, the man at the pool. There, there are all a, you know, a number of places where Jesus is encountering people. I think, though, that the best one is probably in John chapter 4, where the woman at the well and Jesus interact over the course of several um, you know, minutes in, in real time. In, 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 the, in the Bible, it's one chapter. But we really see, I think, all five thresholds being crossed in this conversation. The woman doesn't trust uh, Jesus at first, but Jesus wins her trust. He, he addresses that issue, and then he moves from there to provoking her curiosity with his questions and his statements. And then he invites her to, to be open to change, you know, to change the way she thinks about worship, about the Messiah, about her own life, about what she's doing with her life. And then he encourages her in her uh, to become a seeker and to begin to, to really look deeply at, at who he is as the Messiah. And then finally she goes back to the town. She recruits all of her friends and brings them to Jesus. And we see people coming to faith at the end of that chapter as they get to know Jesus and they realize that he really is the Messiah. So I think chapter 4 in John shows us all five of those thresholds being crossed, and we can watch Jesus in that encounter and try to imitate him in the way that he interacts with people, in the way that we would interact with people, I should say. I love that passage in John. It's just such a great picture of Christ's heart for people, God's heart for people, and the reality that people are searching for him. Yesterday, I didn't share this story, but not myself, another student that's involved in the ministry a little bit, got to share Christ with somebody that made the decision to trust Christ on the spot. That doesn't happen every time we share. I wish it did. <laughs> I know you do too. Mm -hmm. But that person had walked through some of these stages and they'd gotten to that point. Uh, so I know all of you listening love sharing your faith. At least that's my hope. You probably wouldn't be listening to a show about Christian apologetics if you weren't interested in defending your faith. But there's more than just defending our faith and winning an argument. There are real people that really need to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And the steps that Rod is talking about are great steps that can help us help someone else encounter Christ. So we're going to get to some practical tips for walking your friends through these steps. But before we do that, I just want to let anybody that's recently tuned in know that they are listening to The God Solution Show. And you can find out more about The God Solution at godsolutionshow.com. Again, that's godsolutionshow.com. And if you go to our past shows tab, you'll see all of our past shows and interviews and things like that. Today, we're talking with Rod Pauls, Assistant Regional Director for the Rocky Mountain Region. He's based here in Albuquerque. And you can find out more about InterVarsity at intervarsity.org. And you can find out specifically about Rod Pauls' ministry 
at gcf.unm.edu. All right, we're talking with him about the five thresholds of postmodern conversion. And these five levels that people progress through as they increasingly open to the gospel. And we've talked about what those are. First, we realized that people move from distrust to trust. Then we saw that people move from indifference to curiosity. Then they move to a point where they're willing to consider change. Then they embark on a seeking phase where they actually investigate. And finally, they can come to a stage of being willing to make a decision to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So, Rod, this is where the rubber meets the road. I want to talk a little bit about our friends and family members, uh, maybe our coworkers, our neighbors, maybe people that we run into throughout the course of a week that we don't know anything about, but God put them in our path precisely so they could hear the gospel. Tell me, what are some practical things that you could share with us about how to help a non-believing friend cross the next threshold in their journey to faith in Christ? Well, I think that, first of all, there's going to be a need for you to identify where this friend is. Um, and that's not something that's always easy to do. But I think, you know, you just as you get to talking with your friend, you need to be asking the question, is this person... Does, does this person trust Christians, or do they have a, a general distrust of Christians? Um, is this person trusting, but, you know, not really very curious? You know, are they trusting and curious, but they don't really seem very willing to, to make any changes? Um, have they crossed those first three thresholds, but they're just kind of meandering and not really, not really going forward in any particular direction uh, after God? Or are they, are they really close? So that's the first thing, is identifying which threshold you think the person is ready to cross. If, if it's a trust issue, then you need to try to think of how you can build trust with that person. And, and, and really, I think when you're trying to build trust with a non-Christian, at, at that point, you're just really doing basic friendship kinds of things. You know, you would be inviting them into your home and you know or you would be asking them if they want to go out to lunch and you'd be asking questions about their lives outside of you know spiritual things i think of a person that i met recently who initially said he he was a christian and then it turns out that he really isn't that close to god right now and he said if you want to get together and just talk about stuff that doesn't have to do with spiritual stuff. I'm interested in that, but I'm not interested in anything else. I haven't had a chance to meet with him, but clearly if I want to build trust with this person, I would, if I met with him, I would not ask anything about his spiritual beliefs. I would just want to find out who he is as an individual, and that way I would build trust and show him that I can actually, you know, be a trustworthy person. So that would be, you know, the first thing to think about, how you build trust with, with uh, a person who's not trusting you. If the person is trusting, you know, they, they obviously trust you, they, they enjoy being with you, but they're not really curious, then you want to think, well, how can I provoke curiosity? You know, what are some things that I could say that would lead them to start asking questions? And, and here, you know, you look to the, the example of Jesus, you know, with the woman at the well. He said, well, if you actually were drinking the water I'd give you, you wouldn't be coming here for water, you know, and he said something that was very provocative to her. Now, Obviously, we're not going to say exactly the same things as Jesus, 
but we can say provocative things. You know, we can say things that would ins- kind of lead people to to ask a question and 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 maybe want to know a little bit more. And so, you know, that's that's not an easily easy discipline to develop, but it's something that's worth working at. Like, how would I say something that's that's going to lead somebody to ask another question? So that would be the the practical thing there. Uh, in terms of you know being willing to to change, this is the most difficult threshold really for someone to cross. People are are very reluctant to change. I mean, all of us are. We get set in our ways, and we don't want to do things differently. But uh, as we get to know somebody, and we we find out that their their curiosity has been piqued, and maybe they've started to study the Bible with us, and they've started to ask a, a few more questions. Here is where we could invite them to to try on some aspect of the Christian faith. Um, we might invite them to put into practice something that Jesus said for a week and just see what happens with it. Uh, I read a, a story about this in one of the books that I've read on evangelism called Out of the Salt Shaker, where uh, a non-believer was investigating, you know, kind of thinking about the Christian faith. And so she decided that she was going to read in the Bible every day and she was going to do what it said. And then it turns out that the Bible told her to do something that was very challenging for her, but she did it. And that really uh, opened her eyes to see the truth of the gospel message. So that would be a a thing to do. You know, if the person is unwilling to change, you might invite them to uh, to, to try something out that they're reading in, in the Bible and, and to see what that actually does for them. Rod, I have two hilarious examples of this, and they both turned out well. But there was an atheist that we debated on campus several years ago. The night after the debate, he told us, the mor- I guess the morning after the debate, he told us, I'm no longer an atheist. But one of the things that he couldn't get out of his mind is he had dated a Christian girl in the past, and she said, if you're going to date me, you have to tithe. <laughs> so even though he was an atheist, he began tithing regularly to his girlfriend's church. And he told me it was so bizarre. The math didn't work, but every month I had more money than I needed to pay all my bills. And mathematically, it shouldn't have been that way. So he said, I, I am an atheist up until that point, at least he was. But he said, I can't get out of my mind why tithing actually multiplied my finances. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great story. And so I think, yeah, just things like that where, you know, and of course, you know, you have to have trust built with the person. They have to really be curious. And, and you know, one of the ways that you see curiosity is if somebody's willing to get together with you and read the Bible with you and, and you know, ask questions. And so as you're doing that, it, it just seems logical to say, well, this is what Jesus is telling us to do. What if we both committed to doing it this week to see what happens? And so in that way, you invite the person to be willing to change and to, to begin doing some different things. Um, in terms of the seeking after God, um, this, this may be somewhat similar to the open to change uh, practical help in that you, I think you would ask the person to, to begin taking some serious steps towards really getting to know God. And so, like I said earlier, maybe you invite them to pray seven days and, you know, ask them, what what would you like to see God do in your life? Where's a place that you would like to see God show up in your life? Okay, well, let's both commit to praying that God will actually show up and that he'll do something in your life in that area. And so you invite the person to uh, to, to begin looking more intentionally for God's activity in their lives. 
Um, there might be some other things you could think of that would be invitations to this person that would take them from a meandering path to more of a directly seeking path of, of really trying to discover who Jesus is. It might be more intensive Bible study, might be more intensive times of prayer, might be choosing to go to church with you on a regular basis or, uh, you know, to some other Christian group gathering on a regular basis. But but that sort of thing, to invite them into more of a seeking posture. And then finally, the last threshold, uh, we're all familiar with, with this threshold, really, because it's the one we all think about. But if if you sense that your friend is really ready to make a decision to follow Jesus, then the practical practical thing that you would do is just to ask, you know, do you want to become a Christian and be sure of it? Do you want to say yes to following Jesus? And uh, if if you do, I can help you with that. I can I can lead you in a prayer. Um, I can I can take you to some passages where we see people actually making that decision to follow Jesus, and I can help you take those steps. And so that would be helping somebody to cross that final threshold. And of course, you know, that's what we are, are longing for and praying for with every person that we meet. Absolutely. Now, all of this requires that you get good at asking questions. We're not saying that you have to diagnose where somebody's at before you ever talk to them. In fact, you'll never know what stage they're at until you begin this conversation. So initiate conversations with those that you encounter. And once you initiate gospel conversations, be considerate. Think. Ask God to to show you where this person is at. And then strategically help them take steps towards Christ. I would encourage you to check out Tactics by Greg Kokel. He's been on the show and he's talked about that book here on the show and other topics. But check out that book about how to transition conversations to the gospel through questions in, in a way that won't alienate people. You also might check out questioning evangelism, which isn't about questioning evangelism, but about using questions in evangelism. John Lennox, at the luncheon that Rod Pauls coordinated, said something that I'll never forget. He goes, my commitment every day in every conversation is to keep asking questions until they ask me about my faith. I think that if we all have that approach, we'll go very far with our gospel conversations. What are your thoughts, Rod, on that? I would I would echo everything that you said, Nate, uh, 100%. And as far as another resource, I think probably the best thing to tell people to, to do if they want to know more about the five thresholds would be to check out the book, I Once Was Lost, by Doug Schaup, that's D-O-U-G-S-C-H-A-U-P-P, and Don Everts, D-O-N-E-V-E-R-T-S. Those are the two authors. And this book is available through InterVarsity Press, so that's uh, ivpress.com, and I'm sure you can also find it on Amazon. So uh, that, that book is going to give a lot more detail, a lot more help in, in answering some of the questions people may have about the five thresholds. What would we do without IV Press? Last week we had Dr. Guinness, Dr. Os Guinness on the show, talking about his recent book, Fool's Talk, which coincidentally is an IV Press publication. <laughs> so great. Well, it's been great having Rod on the show. And again, I want to encourage you to get I Once Was Lost and to learn how to strategically work with your non-Christian friends, helping them come to a point of faith. Now, for those of you listening right now that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible's very clear that God loves you dearly and that he created you for a relationship with him. 
The Bible also tells us that you and I are sinful, that none of us measure up to God's perfection, and that God is a just and holy God, and that sin must be punished. That sounds horrible. In fact, I told that to somebody once, and they said, if that's true, why are you Christians always so happy? And I said, well, because it gets much better. The fact is I could never pay for my own sin. I could never become perfect on my own. But God himself became a man, lived the life that I never could on this planet, died for my sins and yours, so that anyone who surrenders their life to him, putting their faith and trust in him alone, could experience adoption into his family, forgiveness, and a life of meaning and purpose here, and they could look forward to an eternity with him in heaven. Uh, If you're at that point where you're saying, yes, I am at that decision phase, I want to put my faith in Christ, I would ask you to verbalize that right now, to say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died for my sins and rose again to give me new life. Please come into my life as my Savior and Lord. The Bible says if you genuinely put your faith in him, you're his child. If you already have a relationship with Christ, I implore you to share your faith with your friends and family and people that you encounter. Grow in that. Use what you're learning on this show to spread the gospel. And definitely, while you're doing that, encourage your friends and family and church members to listen to the show and become equipped to share the gospel as well. You can find out all you need to know about the show at godsolutionshow.com. Again, that's godsolutionshow.com. Well, I'm so thankful that you're listening. I look forward to having you again next week. I think we'll be interviewing Dr. Mike Behe next week, author of Darwin's Black Box and the Edge of Evolution. Uh, But like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to The God Solution with Nate Herbst. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at GodSolutionShow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of The God Solution.